Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. Well, that's not the usual musical theme you're used to hearing at the start of Political Rewind, but we're playing it today uh, in honor of our special guest, uh, A.O. Scott, the chief movie critic for the New York Times. Uh, That happens to be a song from the soundtrack of the Pixar picture uh, Ratatouille, which we know that uh, A.O. Scott has uh, waxed uh, beautifully about over the years as being a movie that he loves dearly, not least of which because the character Anton Ego, Ego the food critic, as he watched the picture, uh, helped him continue the ongoing inner monologue he has with himself about just what is the role of a critic uh, today. Uh, Tony Scott was uh, uh, first hired by the New York Times to write film back in 2000, very quickly, and I think 2004, he became the chief uh, movie critic for the New York Times and continues in that role today. And nice little piece of trivial information, asked what movie he would most like to live in. He picked La Dolce Vita, uh, the picture starring uh, Marcello Mostriani, Anita Ekberg, Anuka Mee, and others. And Tony Scott, I've got to ask you about that as I say hello to you and thank you for being with us for Political Rewind. Why La Dolce Vita, Tony? Uh, well, it's 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 great to be with you, um, Bill. I, it's it's partly just because uh, the look of that film. Um, I, I saw that film long before I had ever gone to uh, Italy um, or or traveled in Italy, and it and it made going to Rome a kind of life goal of mine. Um, and I just find, even though none of the people in the movie are particularly happy. Um, with their, you know, alienated, decadent uh, lives, um, the the atmosphere to me has always been so fascinating and so seductive. Um, you know, I don't really go to very many parties, but uh, the parties in that movie, I would I would make an exception for. Also, yeah. you, I imagine myself in that movie as uh, looking as good in a tuxedo as as Marcello Mastriani does, um, and and you know, wearing sunglasses at yeah. night and. Um, smoking cigarettes without <laughs> without consequence. Yeah, and it wouldn't be bad to have an opportunity to sip cocktails with Anuka Me and Anita Eckberg. Either. Right, and you know, jump into the Trevi Fountain uh, at, at, at dawn right before they turn it off um, with no tourists well, um, around. I appre- well, thank you for telling us about that. I may come back to Ratatouille a little later in the show, but, but the reason that we were so eager to invite you to be on uh, with us... Um, uh, we're doing a couple of shows this week. Yesterday, we talked to Ron Brownstein about his new book, Rock Me on the Waters, which looks at Los Angeles in, the, in 1974 as a cultural center of America and, and at the political uh, uh, interact, intersection between politics and um, music, TV, film back then. And so we wanted to do the same with you today. I was really uh, touched by the essay you wrote um, earlier this month called What I Learned About Democracy from the Movies. And you picked seven pictures that you say really helped you understand democracy a little bit better. Do you mind if I read you your own words to get us started on this just for a moment? Go ahead. I I think you have a very nice voice for it, so I think they'll sound even better than than when I wrote them. They're pretty good words. You say, like many Americans, I had a movie education that was idiosyncratic, haphazard, and intensive. I learned at least as much about American life from what I saw in multiplexes and revival houses on late night television and on VHS and DVD as I did from my teachers or parents. Movie going isn't really a civic duty, but it can feel like a ritual of citizenship. You may know that what you're watching isn't real. Historians and journalists are always eager to point out inaccuracies, omissions, and outright fabrications in the Hollywood version. But you also might believe that on some level it's true. And that's how mythology works. 
not as blatant propaganda, but as a set of stories that shape our perceptions of what's fair, good, and natural. That's a beautiful paragraph. And so you've <laughs> chosen you. seven pictures that are uh, examples of what's um, fair, good, and natural, and well, and sometimes not so good at all. But So talk a little bit about, I read your words, but when did this come to you that you should do this? Um, well, I was thinking about it uh, this in 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 the wake of um, of last November's election uh, and of of the um, the assault on the Capitol on on uh, on, on January sixth, and you know was reading a lot of of commentary on um, the state of of American democracy, the fragile, imperiled, uh, vulnerable, chaotic state of American democracy, and. Um, you know, a, a certain amount of that commentary calls into question um, whether from the right or from the left, uh, whether American democracy really has ever, you know, existed as we imagine it to have, um, or has ever uh, lived up to its its ideals and 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 precepts. So I was I was thinking about you know these kind of very complicated real world issues that that I like a lot of people I'm very. Uh, <laughs> confused and and anxious about it and 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 I often find myself um thinking about movies when I'm thinking and and thinking about them not as just sort of a reflection of the real world but as a set of stories of tropes of meanings of metaphors of symbols that kind of help uh orient us in 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 the world you know that represent uh the world to us and I've been thinking a lot I would say in my career as a film critic, but maybe especially in the last 10 years about what kind of political ideas um, broadly understood are embedded in movie stories. So what do superhero movies tell us about power um, and about uh, good and evil? You know, what, what, do, what, what does the Western tell us about American history? Western is almost entirely a mythological genre, but a very powerful and a very deep and a very complicated one. Um, and, and I think that's true of a lot of different kinds of movies. So I, I sort of thought I, I had one of these things that happens to you sometimes um, in journalism where I had a bright idea. I had a brainstorm and I said to my editor, you know, I want to write a big piece about democracy in the movies. Um, and she said, OK, that sounds great, you know. Um, and then, of course, I had to figure out what the heck I meant by that and how to do that within, um, you know, reasonable space. Like I, I was not going to write, uh, you know, an 800 page book um, uh, about it. Um, so so I had to, to 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 narrow it down and figure out what what genres, what movies, what ideas did I want to um, to 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 bring to the forefront. So I, I kind of thought about it. I watched a lot of movies, um, which was, which was the great, is always the great pleasure of, uh, doing a piece like this, you know, I, and, and I kind of somewhat arbitrarily came up with, the with the idea of seven, although it could have been eight or it could have been 10. And I thought, well, what are, what are some of the ideas that are, important um and prominent in movies throughout the history of 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 hollywood um and what movies might what what individual pictures might attach themselves to those so i was thinking about i started out you know thinking well movies about politics what are what are what are the movies what are the great american movies about the american political system there aren't actually that many um it's yeah. not a, a topic that uh, that Hollywood has been particularly interested in or 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 good at depicting, partly because the realities of American politics don't always line up with the kinds of stories that Hollywood likes to tell. Yeah, yeah. Can we let's let's start talking about some of the pictures you chose? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first the first one, uh, and uh, I, I think we would say you chose it because it exemplifies freedom, American freedom. Thelma and Louise. Tell us about choosing Thelma and Louise. 1991, Ridley Scott, yeah. uh, Gina Davis, Susan Sarandon. It's an iconic picture at this point. Yeah, it's it's an iconic picture, and it's it's one that, like all of the movies that I that I uh, chose, is is both an example of a of a of a genre or a familiar. So the road picture is is you know um, you can go back to, to to Hope and Crosby or even before that the idea that sort of two people usually two people usually two guys um, in a car on the road um, 
running from something or trying to get somewhere is is an image of of freedom um and and of the kind of the the openness and possibility uh that's part of american life but also the sort of the the drift the alienation the confusion um you know you think about a movie like easy rider which could have been another choice um there there there's often an underside a sort of that that the 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 impulse to just to just run to take flight to, as as Huckleberry Finn said to light out for the territory um often is in response to a lot that's going wrong um in in the sort of the settled civilized world of home and in this case it's it's um you know domestic abuse and sexual violence and both Thelma and Louise just sort of facing um the 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 cruelty and injustice and unfairness um and frustration um of 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 being women um in uh in American society and so they take the sort of the 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 extreme but also in the movies the always available and and enticing um and intriguing uh response of of um getting into of course you know a beautiful vintage convertible and uh <laughs> and hitting the road but they of course they find themselves in trouble we should point out you mentioned in yeah. in your uh piece about that picture uh, this picture was released the year of the clarence thomas hearings uh, yeah. it, it, the question about sexual harassment became uh, a dominant uh, theme for a while until then-Senator Joe Biden shut it down back then. I actually covered those hearings in, in 91. And so the fact that there are two women protagonists being chased by men after having experienced themselves uh, sexual harassment in various forms becomes important. And if you don't mind, let's do this. Let's play a little bit of the sound of that climactic scene. Uh, they've been chased by law enforcement. There are, we see dozens of uh, police cars from venues all over the Southwest that are coming at them across a wide, broad uh, plain, which just happens to be on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Uh, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon realize there's not anywhere for them to go, and this is what we hear. Okay, then, listen. Let's not get caught. What are you talking about? Let's keep going. What do you mean? Go. You sure? Yeah. What does that scene do? Um, how does that scene move you, Tony? Well, it's 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 very moving because it, it and and I think it 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 gets at the um, both the allure and the uh, the kind of the despair um, of this idea of of freedom. Because um, she said, "Let's just keep going." She doesn't say, "Let's plunge to our death at the bottom of the Grand Canyon." <laughs> um, um, she says, "Let's not get caught. Let's just keep." going so it, it it's it's never articulated as um a suicide pact um though that's what it just what it turns out to be and of course the the last shot of the movie the 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 frame freezes in midair it does not show the consequences yeah. of that flight it doesn't it doesn't show the you know the the um the laws of gravity uh asserting themselves but but allows you to imagine that they're that they're just in in flight um, and and I think that's a very that's a very important aspect of of the idea of freedom as it's often articulated um, in American life is is that it doesn't um, it sometimes is lacking a kind of a, a a reality principle or an acknowledgement of of the sort of the constraints or the inevitability um, of 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 hitting the ground. I mean, I think there, there's a similar sort of duality at play in 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 the recent um best picture uh winner nomadland you know which is also yeah. about mm -hmm. uh the desire for freedom um which means a life for the francis mcdormand character in in some you know very harsh circumstances and 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 working conditions um but she nonetheless chooses uh she has the chance of kind of settling down not to spoil this movie um for anyone who hasn't seen it yet it's a wonderful movie um but 
she chooses this this sort of life of nomadism. It, do, it doesn't end as tragically as Thelma and Louise, but there is a kind of an undertow of of loneliness, of alienation, of of you know not knowing where this road um, is 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 going to end, um, and 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 the suggestion that it might you know it might not end up anywhere um, all that great. Um, you you chose another picture. This sort of a road movie in a very different way, and that's Preston Sturgis's Sullivan's Travels from 1941, which is a, far less well known by most people than was Thelma and Louise. If I just very quickly. Uh, Joel McRae, uh, it wants to make a very serious dark picture, which I didn't know this, Tony. He wants to make a picture called Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes. Obviously, the Cone brothers, being great lovers of movie history, use that title for their wonderful movie. I never realized that before. Right, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? They're, they're um, uh, uh, amazing kind of Depression-era um Road picture that's also kind of a, a, a gangster movie. I mean, an, an, an amazing movie starring with, with wonderful uh, George Clooney um, role at the center took took its title from the movie that never gets made in Sullivan's Travels. <laughs> so that that because Sullivan makes these kind of these these trashy exploitation movies, kind of like um, you know teenage sex comedies circa circa 1940 or 1941. Um, but he has great, great ideals and ambitions, and he wants to make something that you know speaks to the people and tells the truth about the conditions and and uplifts the soul of man and all of this. Um, the first scene of that movie is one of the greatest five or six minutes of verbal comedy in all of movies. I, I could I could watch it, you know, every day and and laugh just as hard. It's him having an argument with 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 the with the two studio guys who are who are sort of in charge of his career and it is so i don't know how they they read the lines as fast as they do um it's just a sort of breakneck argument and it ends up with them saying okay fine this is what we'll do you you go out and research oh brother where art that we'll let you do it because he's he's the golden he's the goose that lays the golden egg so they want to mm. they want to make him happy um and so they 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 set him up with an entourage and a luxurious um trailer um and he's taking this you know this trip into real america um which is one of the most kind of preposterous with 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 a a, a gang of publicists and journalists covering right. every step of it and this is this is hollywood going out to find you know the salt of the earth the real people and then the, um yeah various twists first of all he meets veronica lake um uh, who, whose whose character is in in classic old old Hollywood fashion is just referred to as the girl, um, but uh, and and they sort of spark up a, a, a kind of screwball romance of lots of you know bantering and and uh, and and teasing and 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 he gets to the end of his journey with with great success and then halfway through the or two thirds of the way through there's there's a, a kind of a turn and he's um, believed to 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 be killed by a by a train so he's he's officially dead um but is still alive uh and is set off actually really wandering in in the real uh, um america of the of the of the later years of the depression without an entourage without um, press coverage without publicity, and and he ends up in a um, in a prison farm in the south on a chain gang, um, and that's where he sort of learns the 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 ironic uh, lesson yeah. of the movie. Yeah, I want to I want to play a little bit because you're right. That's a glorious okay. moment. He he's he's had all of these thoughts about this important movie about the real America, and he comes the prison gang. They are taken to I think it's, it looks like a church where they're going to get mm -hmm. to watch a movie. And the movie they end up getting to watch is a is a, a Walt Disney cartoon about Pluto, and Preston Sergius does this glorious montage of the faces of these hard bitten prisoners just laughing uproariously. Um, and we see one face after the other. It's a beautiful sequence. And at one point, Joe McRae starts laughing, and he turns to the guy sitting next to him, and he says, Are, "Am I laughing?" And <laughs> and then, and let's play this scene. After this experience, it f suddenly he recognizes what's important. He comes back to the studio bosses, and this is the conversation they have. 
Sully, I just want to tell you that old brother we're out now is going to be the greatest tragedy ever made. Well, the I... world will weep. Humanity will sob. It'll put Shakespeare back with the shipping news. Quiet! Your personal courage, your sacrifice, the lengths to which you went to sample the bitter dregs of vicissitude will make old brother Arthur positively I'm beyond the I'm sorry to filter. disappoint you. You're sorry to disappoint Yes, me. and I say it with some embarrassment, but I don't want to make old brother where art thou. You don't want to make old brother where art thou? No, and I say it with some embarrassment. I want to make a comedy. You say it with some embarrassment? Why don't you want to make old brother where art thou, Sully? Well, in the first place, I'm too happy to make old brother where art thou. In the second place, I haven't suffered enough to make, oh, brother, where art thou? You haven't suffered enough. He hasn't suffered enough? No. But, Sully... I'll tell you something else. There's a lot to be said for making people laugh. Did you know that's all some people have? It isn't much, but it's better than nothing in this cockeyed caravan. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you love that? <laughs> The bitter dregs of vicissitude. I mean, just that, like uh, nobody could 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 write dialogue like like Preston Sturges. Um, just uh, amazing. So um, it does. There is a there is a sense of that picture being uh, doing giving us a take on the, the cynicism of Hollywood, and and and, mm -hmm. and that was one of the things that you talk about. The next picture I want to talk about gives us a slight. It gives us a cynical take on another institution uh, in many ways, uh, the media. Uh, you chose a face in the crowd from 1957, which had such a great pedigree. Ilya Kazan, Bud Schulberg uh, uh, were responsible for the picture. For people who only know Andy Griffith because of the Andy Griffith show and have never seen this movie, Andy Griffith as Lonesome Rhodes, the down-home folksy entertainer, uh, he gives an amazing performance in a much different and darker direction, Tony. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I remember when I first saw this movie. I think it was you know it had had been um, restored and revived when 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 I was in college, and I had, I had never I had never heard of it. Um, and yeah, I had I had watched you know um, Matlock and the Andy Griffith show, and sort of had this idea of of um, of sort of you know benevolent paternal Andy and um, Lonesome Rhodes, the character he plays is is. Um, you know, a, a folksy entertainer, but also a, 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 um, a vicious demagogue, you know, a, re a really sort of um, unprincipled and, and sort of terrifying uh, avatar of some of the, 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 the worst and ugliest impulses um, in American life. He's also very charming, very charismatic, very, uh, very, very smooth and, and has the whole country eating out of the palm of his hand. And the story, it's a story of his rise and, and fall. He's discovered in a jail cell um, in Arkansas by Patricia Neal, who's, who's a, a radio producer, and she and Walter Matthau conspire to get him on the radio. And he's such a, um, you know, he, he's, he's sort of corny and, and down home and folksy, but he also, he seems to speak the truth. I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to say what that the analogs are. I mean, there's a little bit of maybe a little bit of Rush Limbaugh um, in him. Uh, um, he certainly, you know, was meant at the time in 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 the middle 1950s to um, to evoke some of the mem recent memories of, of of Senator Joseph McCarthy, um, and um, who's so he's he's made by the media. But then the 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 interesting thing about this this movie and the thing that 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 is so kind of poignant maybe now um is that he's also unmade by the media um so there's this idea that that's that's based sort of on what happened in the army mccarthy hearings you know when when yeah. mccarthy was on national television um and was humiliated and exposed by 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 joseph welch um the famous you know have you no sense of decency at long last have you no sense of decency and that was widely seen to be sort of the end of uh, that, that that it broke the spell that mccarthy had 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 put um the, the 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 country under and and the idea with with Lonesome Rhodes and his ultimate undoing is sort of the same that if you catch him on a hot mic saying something that's offensive to people the people will turn on him and and that's exactly what eventually happens now Patricia Neal plays the radio producer who discovers Lonesome Rhodes helps him succeed to uh, great heights he becomes this much more difficult uh, character who is now going to be advisor to presidents. I mean, he's really positioned in an important way, but Patricia Neal starts to realize who he really is. And in this excerpt, 
Uh, they're in Lonesome Road's uh, motel room, and she by now has turned and understands him all too well. Let's listen. Secretary for National Morale. <laughs> General's asking Fuller to shake hands on it with me after the big banquet I'm throwing tomorrow night, launching fighters for Fuller. Fighters for Fuller? Yeah, fighters for Fuller. How you like that name, huh? 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 I made it up. Everybody's, everybody's nuts about it. I, I got 20 of the biggest men in this country coming to my banquet tomorrow night to get fighters for Fuller Road. Got a retired admiral from the Joint Chiefs, two governors, some of them big investment house boys, and a cabinet minister. Which one? <sighs> I don't know. I told the general to pick one out for me. Are they coming to your party? Oh, honey, if I ask them, they gotta come. Maybe they'd be afraid not to come. I could murder them like this. <laughs> This whole country just like my flock of sheep. Sheep. Rednecks, crackers, hillbillies, house prowls, shut-ins, pea pickers. Everybody that's got to jump when somebody else blows the whistle. <laughs> they don't know it yet, but they're all gonna be fighters for Fuller. They're mine. I own them. They think like I do. <laughs> Only they're even more stupid than I am, so I gotta think for them. <laughs> um, so, Tony, uh, you do say in this that you don't like the compare. You don't like thinking about this as a parallel to the rise of Donald Trump. But it's hard not to hear that that one line. You know, I could murder him and not think of Donald yeah. Trump. I could shoot people in the middle of Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Well, it, it, exactly. But but this is this is why the difference is. I think that for lonesome. The, the the danger would be if he ever said that out loud right and what 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 undoes yeah. him is that he does you know and so that suddenly the people who are listening who he thinks of as 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 hillbillies and pea pickers and um and 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 idiots um you know hear that he really thinks that of him and 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 you know reject him the the and and i think that the the in terms of his demagoguery and his his ability to kind of tap into that kind of resentment um he certainly is is a precursor of 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 trump and the and the the comparisons the sort of the the rediscovery of this movie um in in the in the in the trump years is 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 not an accident but where yeah. where the the sort of the cases diverge is exactly in there was an idea that and I think that you know, if if you remember the 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 Access Hollywood tape, for example, before the 2006, okay, here he is on tape saying all of these things. That's going to be the end of them, of him, you know. Yeah. Um, and and he would he he he, Trump when it, when he was running would say, you know, I I love the low information um, voters. I love the the uneducated voters. I you know the the ignorant people are are are, are my are my base. He, you know he would he would he would say that openly. Which Lonesome Roads can only say, you know, behind closed doors, which is the sort of so that's the kind of and and, and the question is whether this represents a, a, a historical change or a shift um, or whether it was just always true that the 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 power of the media to undo or to undermine um the demagogues that it was capable of creating was maybe always a little bit of a of a of a of a of a, of a fantasy or a or a wishful thought. It kind of struck me that all the king's men would have fit into uh, this part of what you were writing about. The same kind of thing: the rise of a demagogue. Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of movies I think from from around this era, from from the the fifties. Partly, I, I think, um, you know, be, because of of McCarthy. Um, and, and also because of of you know the, the the war against fascism that that sort of take this up. Born Yesterday would 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 be another one with yeah. also with Broderick Crawford yeah. and uh, uh, yeah. and and Judy yeah. Holiday. Judy Holiday. Anything with Judy Holiday is worth talking about. <laughs> All right, Absolutely. I got to get to our first break of the show. Uh, we're talking to uh, the great uh, movie critic Tony Scott, A.O. Scott, the chief film critic for the New York Times. We'll be right back with more. <laughs> Welcome back. 
Welcome back to the show. Uh, we're talking with A.O. Scott of the New York Times, who and, and I was really intrigued by his uh, article earlier in May, What I Learned About Democracy from the Movies. Tony, I want to say one quick thing about my respect for you. Um, I'm uh, just a few years younger than Roger Ebert, grew up in Chicago. So I got to see Roger as he was just coming out of the University of Illinois, starting his career as a critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. Um, Gene Siskel and I were friends, but... Roger, I only knew sitting on the end bar stool uh, at, at the great Irish bar in Chicago where all the journalists hung out. And as much as I liked Gene, it was Roger's reviews that were always the touchstone for me. And I have to be honest with you, Tony. One of the reasons I'm thrilled you're on the show is since Roger, I haven't found a film critic other than you who has kind of become my touchstone now. Uh, you're, you, you tell me I should see a movie. I will see it. Well, that's and that's you took very over high for Roger for a while on the show. Yes, I mean, Ro Ro Roger. Um, I, I, I'm I'm glad that you know we 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 became friends and 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 colleagues. And he was always, um, he was just in everything that he did um, as as a as a writer, um, as a television personality, just as a as a person. He was really one of the most committed small D Democrats that I've ever run across you know he he um he uh wrote for a daily newspaper um which is sort of the more the more blue collar newspaper in in the chicago market and um turned down a lot of offers to go you know to to go to bigger more glamorous uh positions to 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 stay there and always was committed to writing in in plain language but in beautiful prose um and without you know without ever writing down to his audience and without ever pandering um well well i said i said all that by way of saying that i think you're a very similar writer you're a beautiful writer and you write for us you you got, goodness knows given your background in studying literature you could write different i, I read some of your stuff in which you write about <laughs> books for instance literature where you do take a different approach, but your film reviews speak to me, and I appreciate that greatly. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, you picked Head of State, the Chris Rock picture, which is interesting, because I went back and read your review of it, and you gave it a fairly lousy review. Uh, <laughs> but well, you picked it, it for a very specific reason. Well, because it's not... I mean, I don't think it's a great movie, but it it is a movie that is an interesting kind of um, turn on what is one of the 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 perennial fantasies both of hollywood and sometimes of politics which is that you have an outsider come in again i mean in a way lonesome roads from from the face in the crowd is sort of the you know the demonic version of this but there's an idea of it in you know uh, in mr smith goes to washington in uh in dave with 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 kevin klein and also with chris rock where you have someone who is um you know just an honest regular person who who is not beholden to the the corruption and double speak and spinning um and 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 bad faith of the politicians um and kind of catches on and 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 you know rises very very quickly and then often there's sort of there's 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 a catch or he runs into difficulty or he's tempted or 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 corrupted but it was interesting to me to see chris rock um one of our great comedians um play this role and kind of not quite be able to bring it off because the the movie like all of these other movies um and and like another one uh called um oh i'm blanking on the name of it there's another similar one from around then with with robin williams as sort of as 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 the guy but but chris chris rock in his stand-up comedy um has never been afraid to go anywhere into any topic into the most controversial most painful most taboo um most incendiary aspects of 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 american life whether it's about race or sexuality or or crime or money or any of these things that we're not comfortable talking about um you know the great comedians uh whether it's richard pryor or or or, or lenny bruce or, or or chris rock will go there and talk about that but what's fascinating is that when chris rock gets this role um 
he suddenly neutralizes his 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 comedy. So the the guy who's supposed to be a bold truth teller, shaking up the system, is saying things that you know that aren't controversial at all. You know about well, we need better schools. You know. Okay, um, who's against better schools, right? And it's it's sort of like in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, where, you know, um, Jimmy Stewart wants to put in appropriations, you know, a, a, a an orphanage, you know, a a a camp, a boys for, camp, a big a boys, boys camp, camp yeah. right, a, a boys camp, and so it's like, who could be against this? Um, so so it's a way that that the movies. Um, partly because movies want to appeal to to everyone, um, they 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 don't want uh, and and they're sort of afraid of anything that's too divisive or too polarizing or too controversial. So most movies about politics in America don't have any politics in them. That is to say, don't have any political issues um, coming to the table or or being discussed. So. Um... You were very kind. I said, well, I'd kind of like to pick a couple if you don't mind, and you're the expert, but you said do it. You picked head of state partly because this is an ordinary guy who, without having any real issues, jumps to you know running for president of the United States and all that. Um, I picked another picture in which the character is a genuine blank slate being there, the Hal Ashby comedy Peter Sellers plays a guy who has lived his entire life mysteriously, never leaving uh, the house of the the uh, garden uh, room of a big estate. His only exposure to life is watching TV. And when the guy who owns the estate dies, he is set loose in the world, and he ends up finding himself in the company of the president of the United States and the president's top advisor, and it is his blankness which recommends him to these people. Let's listen to a scene in which he's talking to the president of the United States, the president's chief advisor, and you'll hear that Chauncey Gardner, which he's now become known as, uh, knows nothing at all, which is why he impresses him so much. Mr. Gardner, do you agree with Ben, or do you think we can stimulate growth through temporary incentives? As long as the roots are not severed, all is well, and all will be well in the garden. In the garden? Yes. In a garden, growth has its season. First comes spring and summer, but then we have fall and winter. And then we get spring and summer again. Spring and summer? Yes. <clears throat> then fall and winter. Yes. I think what our insightful young friend is saying is that we welcome the inevitable seasons of nature, but we're upset by the seasons of our economy. Yes. There will be growth in the spring. Hmm. Mm. I think Tony, like head of state, a nobody gets to be uh, in, the, in the seat of power. Well, and and it's I'm really glad that that, that you chose this one. I mean, I I remember seeing this when it came out and 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 going back and seeing it a a, a few times. It's a wonderful cast: um, uh, Shirley MacLaine um, and 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 Peter Sellers. Um, and I mean, in Robin a way, Douglas. it's. Yes, yeah, Melvin Douglas, um, and you know, in a way, it's 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 the kind of flip side of facing the crowd and lonesome roads because instead of a kind of a, a rabble rousing demagogue who's getting everyone stirred up and fired up, here's someone who speaks in in utterly neutral, platitudinous catchphrases who who projects a kind of serene calm. Um, and that, that's very attractive and, and also who, who can says these, say these things that, that sound like what anybody wants to, to hear. Um, and in a way, you know, you could say that, that if, if Lonesome Roads and Facing the Crowd, um, 
predicted uh, Donald Trump, um, one thing that was said, I think, at, at, at the time was that that Chauncey Gardner and um, and and being there predicted Ronald Reagan, or sort of got at at mm-hmm. some of the the who who was also just a very kind of serene and and you know um, pleasant uh, political character, um, even even if his his political ideology was not was not pleasant or agreeable to everyone um his his persona um was was very effective uh for 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 just that that reason um and and yeah in 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 a way it it is also sort of the the idea that um that there's a great advantage in 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 politics or in democracy to being um to being a blank slate to being to being nobody yeah. to having no political ideas no political interests um none of the actual things none of the actual investments that make politics happen i think a lot of us who have covered politics for many years as i have we we've seen these candidates it's not as if they don't exist and I don't want to get into it in any specific detail <laughs> right now, but there have been candidates in this past election cycle right here in Georgia who don't have a lot, who didn't have a lot more to say than Chauncey Gardner. Why the dawn of the of the Planet of the Apes, Tony? I first, first of all, I love the two newer versions of Planet those Planet of the Apes movies. They're really fun movies. Why did you pick Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? What does that movie tell you about democracy? Well, that that movie has been fascinating to me because I think that the the the, the Planet of the Apes um, trilogy, uh, the 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 most recent one, has been some of the most interesting political filmmaking. Um, it, it, because it's it's a sort of a, it, it it's a whole arc of the 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 development of of a of a politics of a, of a of a political entity of a of a nation let's say of 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 the apes that starts out the first um episode rise is sort of about the revolutionary creation of this the sort of the 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 uh that that all of the the these oppressed animals um living in in research facilities and zoos and so on kind of attain a sort of a consciousness of themselves as a, as a group as a society with um with interests and needs and in the middle one which is dawn um which is the one that i that I, that i wrote about it's about how do you form this into a um in in into a working society and in, in an, into a working political order um and defend it against uh both external and internal enemies and it it's fascinating to me because it's it shows how difficult it is sometimes for hollywood to actually imagine um how a democratic society might work because it isn't it isn't. A, a, it, it's a sort of it, it, it's a it's a warlord society. It's an it's an authoritarian society. It's an autocratic society. It has a benevolent leader. That's the thing is that Caesar, um, who's who's played by Andy Serkis in what I think is one of the great performances um, of 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 the last uh, decade or so, um, assisted by 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 all of the remarkable um, technology, but very much anchored in his in his acting ability. Um, he is he's is, he's not a democratic leader he's 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 he is benevolent and kind and decent and has a conscience um but is you know in in effect uh the benevolent dictator of this of this ape society and he he has to both defend it from um human encroachment but also from the sort of the 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 more radical uh vision of of um of the ape nation that that's represented by by Koba, his his enemy, and and this is sort of a, a kind of an an idea of you know that that what a leader has to do is 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 suppress um, extremism on his own side in 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 order to be a kind of a a, a benevolent and mature leader. So you, so you you have the same dynamic playing out in the X-Men uh movies between Magneto and Professor X um and also in uh, in the Marvel movie um Black Panther between T'Challa and 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 Killmonger. And so I I've, I've just been fascinated by that as as a kind of political idea a, a sort of a political fable that repeats itself in all of these different fairly big budget um hollywood movies 
Yeah, I, I'm glad you picked this because I've sort of surprised myself. I, I mostly don't like that kind of uh, CG picture or whatever, but the Planet of the Apes movies are so good. Black Panther's a wonderful movie. I mean, I part of it, again, going back to you, the, the ability to refuse to have an elitist approach to movies, whether it's you as a critic or just me as picking a movie to see, really expands how much we can enjoy in some of the great movies that are being made, right? No, I think that's right. And and I think that there is, you know, there is sometimes a, a, a sort of a, a, a snobbish dismissal of popular culture. Um, uh, I think sometimes also there there's... Uh, a defense of popular culture that's kind of anti-intellectual and that that oh these are just movies they're just for fun they're just for they're just for popcorn there's nothing to 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 take seriously but i i think they're just um they're they're wonderfully interesting and fun um to think about and and worth taking seriously because i think that they do i think very often it's it's the movies um the popular movies, uh, whether it's superhero movies or the Planet of the Apes movies or the Harry Potter movies or, um, you know, or or, or uh, kind of um, big dumb studio comedies, that have the most interesting things to say about uh, about about the world that give us you know stuff to to, to think about. So, I, I think it's 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 I think not only critics but also fans and audiences. Um, are interested in these movies and and embrace these movies partly because they're they they have such uh, such rich meanings embedded in their stories. I got to get to a final break. Of this show we'll be back with more uh, with A.O. Scott. Please, we're continuing our conversation with the New York Times chief film critic A.O. Scott, who's article on what the movies taught me about democracy motivated our conversation. And for me, it's been terrific. By the way, although it's a few years old now, uh, Tony uh, is, is a, cr a critic in many, many different areas. Uh, and he wrote a really fascinating book back in 2016 called Better Living Through Criticism, How to Think About Art, Pleasure, Beauty, and Truth, which I found to be a really important uh, uh, book. And I, and I recommend it to everybody out there. Also, we will post a link on our social media to this article that we're discussing. Uh, Tony, we're, we're kind of running short on time, and I, I feel a little bit selfish, but it strikes me, since we're not going to have time to talk about every picture that you talked about, the fact of the matter is I'd like to talk to close about one that I thought was a reflection of our democracy, and that's the great King Vidor picture, Our Daily Bread, which you said was a favorite of yours as well. 1934, uh, it's wonderful. One of the things that's wonderful about it is it's really a continuation of the crowd, a silent picture that Vidor made in 1929, I think. The same two characters have gone from New York. They now live in California, and it's the Depression, and they become part of a collective farm. And you did say that you thought this was a wonderful movie and says something about our democracy. Yes, Tony? <laughs> It, it is a it is a wonderful movie and and I think it's 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 a a a, a movie that that it, its central theme is one that um, I think isn't isn't that I didn't have room um, to include um, but because it's 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 sort of a vision of solidarity you know which is an important democratic uh, value and there 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 are not that many I think films in in the history of Hollywood that that sort of that represent it so um with such sort of beauty and 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 authenticity and conviction as as our daily bread, um, but there are some. It is it is an important kind of the, there there is the the sort of the genre of the strike film. Um, there there's yeah. there's a movie like you know like like Norma Ray or or um, or, or or Blue Collar with with uh, Harvey mm -hmm. Keitel and Richard oh, Richard. Pryor. That's a fabulous um, movie. That's an amazing movie, Paul Schrader. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. But I, I think I, why, why I'm glad that 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 you um, brought it back to my attention is that our daily bread does sort of show it does dramatize in a way that is sometimes hard for movies to do the kind of um, collective enterprise of just sort of doing doing the work that's necessary um, as a group for your own shared interests because usually movies 
American movies, Hollywood movies, are about individuals, are about heroic individuals, and and kind of um, concentrate all of the all of the meaning and all of the ideas into heroes or or, or villains. Um, and it's rarer to see. I mean, I think you see it a little bit in uh, in John Ford's adaptation of *The Grapes of Wrath*, for example, to see a sort of an an, an image of what um, ordinary people can do uh, when when they kind of work together. Well, I, I appreciate your letting me add that uh, uh, to the to the list. There's a beautiful uh, sequence at the very end of the movie. We're not going to get a chance to play it because we're a little short on time. But you go out and find this movie. It's well worth your time, I think. Uh, Tony, with, with just a couple minutes, and there's much more to talk about in terms of this, um, you have had to deal with moving from theaters to streaming, back and forth. How much are you really looking forward to movie theaters being wide open again? And are you content to see many of the movies that you do on small screens? I know you told an interviewer that you thought The Irishman worked pretty well on a small screen, uh, even though it's an epic movie. What, what about that difference? Well, I, I certainly prefer um, to see a movie in a theater. Um, I, I, I like to see a movie with other people, um, at, you know, with strangers. I mean, I, you know, I watch movies at home with my, with my family. I, I also think that one of the important things about going to the movies is the 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 commitment to stick by your choice um because i've seen a lot of movies that i haven't particularly enjoyed or liked at the time that i'm glad that i saw all the way through um and when you're watching something at home and streaming you could always switch if you if, if if there's something you don't like or if you get bored or if you're just not into it you can switch and watch something else and i think you miss a lot that way. I think if you're only kind of staying within the streaming algorithms um, or just sort of watching the things that 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 you're 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 predisposed to like, you miss a lot of a lot of discovery, a lot of opportunities um, to 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 find different stories and different experiences that you get when you go to the theater. We are completely out of time uh, for this conversation. The whole subject of what we're going to do when we return to the movie theaters and how streaming has affected our choices. I love what you said about the commitment to stick with something. The number of movies I've just stopped a third of the way in because it's on Netflix and I can give it. I don't give movies the chances that I might have uh, before now. Um, A.O. Scott, chief film critic of the New York Times, it's been a real delight to have you on Political Rewind. Thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, today. We'll be continuing to read you almost every right. day in the New York Times. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, Bill. Great. Um, we're out of time. We'll be back with another show on Monday. In the meantime, take care, stay healthy, think about whether you're going to wear a mask or not wear a mask, under what circumstances. And since you're already vaccinated, just get the people down the street to do the same thing, would you please? See you all next week.